Hello and welcome to the Manchester's Red Podcast. I am coming to you after Manchester United was 5-0 against Liverpool on Sunday afternoon. Um, it's unfortunate circumstances that we are recording this episode and we're going to attempt to digest that performance in 30 minutes. Um, I am joined today by Samuel Luckhurst. Hello, Samuel. Hello, Stephen. How are you? I'm not too bad. I won't ask um, how we all are because... Like I say, not too bad. Probably how to sum it up best at the moment. It's not being. It's a, not. It's not a fan. It's not a fan podcast. No, certainly got not. Sure, got to be professional. Certainly, certainly true. Um, Dom, how are you? I'm all right. I'm boosted by the news that Ben Stokes is going to play in the Ashes. So that that was a uh, that was good news this this Monday morning. Small mercies, yeah. Small joys, excellent. Well, I'll just get straight into it, Samuel. Um, you were at the game, and I'll just address the elephant in the room to to start off with. Team selection was unchanged from Solskjaer. Um, were you surprised that to begin with? And such a damning performance, such an awful performance. Where does this leave him at the club? I wasn't surprised by the team at all. I, I called it on Friday. I think I even wrote it in my little Five Things preview that it was, I felt it was obvious that he would play that side. Um, I think the fact that he didn't make a half-time change against Atalanta was quite telling. If, if he'd made a half-time change, then the justification for playing the same side on, on Sunday doesn't stand. And he was clearly banking on those players to, to get him through this week. Uh, some of it was out of necessity because of Rafael Varane being absent, um, Paul Pogba being off the boil in terms of his form. And if he's not playing well, it's very difficult to, to justify accommodating him. And I could understand Solskjaer thinking, selecting those players, but ultimately it was it was flawed thinking because of the way the, the Atalanta game developed. And they were coming up against a much better side. Uh, Paul Scholes called it. I, I didn't actually take umbrage with Scholes' mood after the Atalanta game. I think the, the manner of that win was overstated. It, it wasn't a significant win. It was a Champions League group stage game against a, a good side, but not one of the eminent sides from Italy. So automatically, the, the significance of it, if there any, if, if there was any significance, was diluted. And then they were coming up against one of the best teams on the planet, frankly, who have been um, ahead of them in, in the last four or five years. I know United finished above them last year, which is something that Gary Neville still prattles on about. But it was irrelevant. It was a season played in a training ground environment and it wasn't a reliable gauge of where United are at because... Look at where they're at this season. Uh, it's, it's bizarre to think that they they should have gone one nil up in this game uh, with with the Fernandez chance. But as soon as that first goal went in, and just the manner of it as well, just how how comparable it was to Leicester's winner the week before, that that just tells you that it's it's, it's a structural problem. Um, okay, some of those players are not good enough, but the, the coaching staff are not good enough either. Uh, you you dread to think what they actually tell them to do at Carrington on a daily basis. Uh, they've, they've, I don't think they've been rumbled as such. I think a lot of people have always been of the view that Solskjaer isn't the man to to make, to, to restore the glory, glory to Man United, if you like. But I didn't realise it could really get quite this bad. And the defending for the first goal, Luke Shaw's even pretty much called out his, his teammates about that goal um, in his in his chat with, with Alison Bender after the game yesterday. And just the sheer hunger and desire Salah shows for the third goal, how quick he is to get, much quicker he is to get ahead of anyone, but particularly Maguire. I mean, Maguire is probably top of the assist table now for the amount of goals he's gifted to the opposition. It's it's pretty scary how he and 
sure their, their form has just fallen off the cliff. And again, that was something that, you know, I hate to say that I preempted it, but I, I wrote that piece in the summer that United had to be mindful of the possibility of their income players having hangovers from the Euros. It's, it's happened before, happened with David Beckham when he got England to the World Cup in, in 2001, 2002. But Beckham was nowhere near this bad. And I suppose the other scary thing is that Shaw and Maguire are two unchallenged players in that squad. Uh, you would expect them to still start against Tottenham next week because the alternatives are, are, are that underwhelming and that untrusted as well. But the, the, the problems are just, they're left, right and centre. The, the, the midfield is obviously, it's going to be a recurring issue on a weekly basis. And I think Solskjaer is just, as a coach, I think he's incapable of finding a solution there. I think there are potential solutions there. Not solutions to make United a, a title winning side. They're, they're, they're going to need to buy someone to to address that. And I do think it will help if Pogba does leave next year and that they can balance it out, they can bring someone in to restore balance there and maybe it will work out in the end under a different manager. But Solskjaer can't just go about always going back to McTominay and Fred. I understand why I went to McTominay and Fred this week, sorry, last week. It, it was a week that had the makings of McTominay and Fred after the Leicester defeat. But those two players can only take you so far. And their big game record, which was very laudable prior to the Liverpool game, has just been smashed to smithereens um, in, in just about the worst defeat, United defeat in my lifetime and, and most people's lifetimes. Going back to that first goal, Dom, um, Fernandez obviously missed a chance just shortly before that. And it was highlighted that his, that his pressing was rather pointless. And that kind of translated across the pitch. Wampasaka pushed up. Um, in Greenwood, that obviously comes from coaching. Um, and United just look poor, uh, they were pressing inefficiently. So, as I said, surely that comes down to Solskjaer, and surely he has questions to answer big questions to answer after that. Yeah, it does come down to Solskjaer, as simple as that. United's pressing is absolutely appalling, it's, it's the worst pressing in the league statistically. and you know, you can see it. The eye, the eye can see. You don't have to look at some of the stats to see that United are, are absolutely dreadful on the press. These best teams now in the Premier League and in Europe, they have a coordinated, structured press that has a trigger. You saw Liverpool do it at Old Trafford on Sunday. It's it's almost like a military operation the way that they the way they can coordinate that press. And United just have Fernandez running like a, a headless chicken towards the goalkeeper. You have you have Greenwood belatedly getting out to to his man. Really, United should have set up in a in a sort of I guess the the, the tacticians would call it a mid block because um, I don't I think Solskjaer was right in the sense to to not sit back and just play on the break because it's United at home, it's United at Old Trafford, and it's it's the United squad that is packed with with talent and players who, in my mind, are as good as the Liverpool players. I, I, I don't see a huge golfing class in terms of the ability of the two sets of players is it is simply that United's tactical approach under Solskjaer is is getting pulled apart by superior managers and I think that's the that's the biggest thing that's the thing that, that I, I could really tell hurt Solskjaer afterwards I think he he knew that he'd been schooled by a better manager in Klopp and he knows that there are other better managers in Tuchel in Rodgers um, obviously, Guardiola probably in a different stratosphere. It, it's it is a tactical problem, but it, it comes down to um, it comes down to more than just Solskjaer, I suppose. But 
that's the biggest difference between United and their rivals at the moment. I, I think it is the manager. And, you know, I've I've thought that Solskjaer's done a lot of good work at United and I have praised him on many occasions, but um, there's nowhere to hide after a defeat like this. Absolutely nowhere to hide. And Samuel, you made the point um, about Solskjaer's decision to leave Matic and Van der Beek on the bench. And you pointed out that perhaps United's most balanced midfield wasn't being utilised. And obviously that comes down to Solskjaer again. Um, it, that double pivot, its limitations have been exposed regularly and it felt like Solskjaer was gambling on that system for a one-off result. Um, we found out long ago that the, the issues with that formation, everyone was talking about a formation change, but I think now, would you agree that it's a manager change that is beckoning? Yes, there's... I, I can't understand anyone who'd argue for, for keeping him. It's It's nothing against him personally obviously you just write objectively about the situation and yesterday was the straw that broke the camel's back um as it stands uh, i've asked the question others have asked the question sometimes it is pointless asking the question um about the manager situation there's not been a reply people will read into that and interpret it however way they want but as it stands i would say that's probably if i was a better man i'd probably say that he's in charge against tottenham on Saturday, but things can can change very, very quickly. Um, as it stands, it's, it's difficult to say what's what's going on. But even the, trying to put yourself in the frame of mind of the club of how it's it's early in the season, some signings come in, they need to be bedded in, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, that there's always a counterpoint to it. Um, Gary Neville's analysis. Uh, you know, is, is not going down well with United fans. And I can understand why, because although he's not oblivious to the problems and he's actually highlighting a lot of the problems, he is still making excuses. If they did somehow win the FA Cup and the Europa League and finish in the top four this season, it's still blemished by them having to them having gone out of the Champions League to go into the Europa League at the group stage again and then not winning the Premier League. They had to, at the bare minimum this season, challenge for the title. That challenge is pretty much over before it's even started. The cases for the prosecution are in, in double double digits, uh, triple digits, if you like. Um, there are just so, so many reasons. There's not so much smoking gun as like a bonfire of smoke for managerial change. And, of course, the caveat with that is that there isn't an obvious candidate. There are two coaches who have very impressive CVs, both would probably be, well, Conte certainly would be open to it. Zidane, you'd think, would be interested in, in United as well. I still think those two coaches are unsuitable for United. Um, Conte's style uh, jars with what United want from a manager. Zidane, I think you cannot judge him on what he did at Real Madrid when he inherited a world-class dressing room. I think if you were to parachute him into United where they're struggling to make the top four, I think you'd see that he's probably not as good a coach as the three Champions Leagues on his CV suggests. But United can't have this thought process of, well, they're unsuitable, so we'll stick with the incumbent when the incumbent is unsuitable as well. He's, he's just not up to it. He's exceeded expectations in lasting this long. Um, he's succeeded to an extent, weirdly, in that he's, he's still the United manager when he was the most internal, external appointment you could have you could have thought of at the time when he was made caretaker manager. Uh, he has overseen a lot of good work. The recruitment's better. Certain individuals have, have played the best football of their career. 
at United, um, thinking of Luke Shaw, I, th- I, th- I think Pogba's had some world-class spells. Obviously, in the last month or so, he's he's been anything but. Fernandez has been a you know, quasi-transformative signing, but he's taken them as far as he can. And I think everybody suspected there was only a certain, there was a ceiling there with Solskjaer. I don't think anyone has ever thought that he could actually duke it out with. Klopp or Guardiola or Tuchel in terms of a title race and standalone games he has done he's 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 beaten them all and that's that's a credit to his coaching that he can actually um, you know pull off some some really impressive results and uh, although I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't manage another Premier League club after United I don't think there's any reason why he shouldn't I think that he'd be a credible candidate for a number of of Premier League clubs but he's he's attached to United he's associated with United. And that's why he was given the job in the first place. But it was just it, it, it was just so, so stupid of the board to be making decisions on the back of last season, which was a freak of a season. It was not a reliable gauge of any team, bar probably Manchester City, who who, who re- regained the title. Um, and, and Gary Neville keeps saying about how United finished second last season. It, it did not matter a jot. Um, Tuchel came in, shook things up at Chelsea, won the Champions League within four months. Liverpool had some crippling injuries that obviously had a huge impact on their season. In what other parallel universe would Liverpool lose to Brighton and Burnley in the same season at Anfield and lose as many games as they did at Anfield? You you needed an objective football assessor, really, if that's even a role. I I actually think it'd be a worthy role at United um, for someone to actually look at the landscape, say, this is why we shouldn't be doing this, this is why you should be doing that. But unfortunately, they do not have a credible decision maker within that footballing structure. And this is just as they've actually finished off the structure. Don, moving on to the um, the attacking performance, if we can then. Obviously, Ronaldo had a goal in the back of the net um, from a bit of brilliance, but that was ruled offside. Did you ever feel like United, with the exception of that effort, were looking dangerous? And did you ever feel like they were going to get back into the game? Well, that's two very different questions because I did feel that they were dangerous in the early part of the game, actually. And I thought that, you know, they were actually creating opportunities and Liverpool looked a little bit open that Fernando's chance that you mentioned. Um, but, you know, the game changed when it went to 2-0, 3-0, 4-0, it was, it was over. You know, there, it was, there was almost no point in carrying on. I don't think anyone was actually watching the game after that. They were probably listening to to what Carragher and Neville were saying on commentary, they were waiting for the punditry, they were scrolling down Twitter. I think that that was the the sort of the fallout from it. Um, so it became irrelevant as a contest. And I just want to pick up on, on Samuel's point, really, more than a set United's attack, attack, because I think United's attack is is absolutely fine, to be honest with you. I think, a, a, you know, a, a better coach will will get it firing and, and, you know, maybe Solskjaer will if he's given the chance to. But um, I think the big mistake was in actually handing Solskjaer the permanent reins when they did it back in March 2019. It was just before I, I started at the MEN. I remember starting in the, the first couple of games, they, they were on that horrible losing streak just after they'd, they'd handed in the permanent reins. And although he's done a lot of work to to sort of prove that right in, in the next season or two, and United certainly showed an improvement, especially after the signing of Fernandez. It was that decision really when it, it took a it really took a cold, calculated decision maker, as Samuel says, to have waited to the end of the, that season, 2018, 2019, the summer of, of 19, and to basically appoint Mauricio Pochettino 
that was what was needed. Um, and United have fudged it since then. They, they have made some good appointments. They've, they've recruited some good players. They've had some good results. Solskjaer has done some good work. But that was a big mistake. I think it was a really criminal mistake, which, which you know, if they, they, they'd got right, United could have been challenging for the, the league or even won the league last season. I think it's um, it's sort of some chickens coming home to roost for some of the decision makers at the club. Samuel, as Dom's just touched upon, um, the issues at United go beyond Solskjaer and there has been systematic deep-rooted problems at the club for a while now and for years in fact. What is your verdict then on the board and the current hierarchy at the club um, in the wake of this result? Oh, that's that's just the same as it's always been really. Uh, there's there's nothing new to add there but when you're given Sancho, Varane, Ronaldo in the same summer, you can't just keep carping on about the, the owners' parasites that they are. Um, you can't keep on carping about Ed Woodward out of depth though he is. Uh, Richard Arnold, the would-be successor to Woodward, who said Solskjaer has brought phenomenal set success back in March. Um, okay, these these guys, what they know about football wouldn't fill the back of a postage stamp. But the buck stops with the manager in this case um, because because of the squad he's he, he's assembled. He's he's had nearly three years there. He's had unparalleled backing. They've spent what I think they've invested something like four hundred and sixty million pounds in the squad. Uh, he, he's got an enviable squad. A, a, a better coach would have United in the top three um, or, or certainly in a title challenge uh, as it stands. And there's, there's nothing more to really add on that. Um, it's, it's, it's clear as day that there has to be a managerial change. But of course, there has to be um, some constructive work done in the structure. Uh, Darren Fletcher's role, I'm, I'm utterly confused by. He's, he's the technical director who poses in winning team shots and training, does the rondos, gets involved with his boots on. A technical director does not do that. And it's it's weird how Fletcher seems to have become indoctrinated already uh, within this like jobs for the boys culture at United because a lot of former players have got jobs on Solskjaer's watch where you thought, I'm not too sure why he's back at the club. I'm not too sure why they've made that decision. Mike Phelan's another example. Um, you know, he's, he's desperately trying to justify his existence at the moment by being more ever-present in the technical area. But the, how is he meant to inspire um, these these athletic footballers who, during a game, look over and see a guy who doesn't do the coaching on a daily basis giving them instructions. What the hell are they supposed to think of that? They're unlikely to have respect for him. It's different if he's doing the coaching sessions and they see him on a daily basis out on the grass. But, I mean, you know, you go and get him and you type in Mike Thiel and Carrington, there are barely any pictures there from since he, um, since he came back to the club with Solskjaer. So, although it's always tempting to get into the Glazers, get into the Woodward, um, the Super League was the time for that. Uh, previous regimes has been the time for that. Last season, when they got trounced six-one by Tottenham and, and signed one player the day before deadline day, it, it was on them as well. At that point, it's different now. They they had their most sensational transfer window there's ever been, and it wasn't without. It, it wasn't complete. We know that Solskjaer wanted a midfielder, and they certainly need a midfielder to balance it out there. 
But with that squad, they should be challenging for the title. And the reason that why they are not challenging for the title and probably won't challenge for the title this season is because of the manager. So, Dom, if um, Solskjaer is to go, and that's the elephant at the room at the moment, there is unprecedented calls for Solskjaer to leave from fans, and that's completely understandable. Um, how would you deliver your verdict on his time at the club? And has it been a success despite the season's poor results? How would you assess his legacy? It's a tough question. Um, I think I think it has been a mitigated success. I think he has done good work in. I think the the, the cultural reboot or whatever it was called was a was a bit of a, a jarring phrase from the the club, and I wouldn't I wouldn't like to use it too often if I was writing a piece assessing Solskjaer's time. But he did he did take the club a little bit back to its roots, and he did implement. Um, a bit more faith in the academy, a bit more structure. He brought a few players through and the recruitment has been um, fairly good, in my opinion. So I, I think those are all ticks on his on his CV. I just I just go back. I go back to that to, to that permanent appointment of someone whose who's managerial experience with, was with Mulder and Cardiff. And I think that has been used as a stick to beat Solskjaer with a little bit. And I think at times it's been unfair because United needed... I think in the wake of Jose Mourinho, they did need something a bit, a bit different than that. Um, maybe it was it, it should have been a, sh- a short-term appointment, as I alluded to before. But um, I think he, if, if he did leave now, and that's in no way guaranteed, as, as we've been discussing, I think he would leave a, a decent platform for, for someone to go and, and push United on with. Obviously, a, a really, really um, high-quality squad, some... You know some born winners in there. You would say Ronaldo and Fernandez and and one or two others showing real promise of, of doing so. Jaden Sancho, you know, he should be a, a massive, massive player for United's future. And Solskjaer is responsible for bringing a lot of those people to the club, and that's and that's to his credit. It's um, it will be a shame for him and for United fans who obviously have sung his name and who have adored him if it did end like this. Um, but you know that that's what happens when when you have a manager who has massive limitations, and that's what that's what United have. Samuel, I think it was Pep Guardiola, um, if I'm correct, that said you can lose the prem, you can't win the Premier League title. Sorry, um, in the f- opening ten games, but you can lose your chance to win it. Um, I know you've kind of just touched upon it there, but is United's chance for, to win the Premier League title now gone beyond them after the last few weeks? I think so. If if the manager stays, it definitely is. Um, depending on his successor, maybe not. But who who would that be? When would that be? Um, but if 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 Solskjaer stays, they're they're not challenging for it. Which I think it is the point where he he falls below expectations because that's that was what they were gearing up for this season. It was an intended championship challenge. They assembled a squad that was clearly. If you were to look at that squad individually and the players uh, playing at their optimum, it's it's good enough to challenge for the title. There, there are some flaws in it, obviously, as as is the case with every squad. But if if, if the coaching staff remains the same, then they're they're not going to go anywhere. And I think that one there were so many striking things about the defeat to Liverpool. But bearing in mind that Fabinho and Thiago were missing for Liverpool, two possibly their two best midfielders. And then two midfielders come in. If United take two midfielders out of the team, the whole approach is completely different to what it would be with the other two midfielders. With Liverpool, 
it makes no difference. Everyone knows their cues. Everyone knows when to press at the, at the time that clock wants them to, when to back off, how to move, how to pass, when to pass. That They are so well drilled and so well coached that they, they can get away with missing you know, certain players of, of that level. It's obviously different if it's Van Dijk who's out for the season. But that, that's just another example as to why United are as far behind as they are because... They're, they have an identity crisis. Bastian Schweinsteiger was on the radio before the game yesterday, and quite rightly, he was saying he compares United with the other big teams in England with with Bayern Munich, as as you should do because that's that's the scale of United as a club. And he says he knows what to expect from those teams going into a game. With United, you don't know what to expect. You don't know how they play. You don't know how they win. Um, the, the pressing thing is is obviously a major major issue because in modern football, if you want to succeed, you're going to have to press. United have never ever been renowned as a pressing side in my lifetime. It's been a problem going back to um, to Ferguson's last five years when they got absolutely bossed in the two Champions League finals by Barcelona. They were far worse in the 2011 final than they were in 2009 which showed you that he'd actually taken his eye off the ball a little bit, but he was never going to get too much stick for it because United were still competing domestically, still getting to finals, still winning titles. But they've never been renowned for that. Um, Moyes, I know he preached hard work to players, but he was an Everton manager and they got Everton standards. Van Gaal was all about possession. Mourinho has never been a coach that is, has been synonymous with, with pressing. And what, what does Solskjaer stand for? What is is his approach? What is his style as, as a manager? Um, I don't know. He, he just came in because United saw him as a United man, which he is, but that can only take you so far. And now they've actually regressed to the point where they are in identity crisis. And some of the stats that are coming up about running, pressing, and just how dreadful they look, it, it, is, it is a throwback to Mourinho's last days where... They were getting stick for not being fit enough and not pressing. So um, they seem to come full circle on a monthly basis, a weekly basis. And at the moment, they're just going around in circles as well. Someone that we do know has a clear style of play, Dom, is Antonio Conte, um, albeit it might not fit United's DNA as such. Samuel revealed today that Conte would be open to the job um, on certain conditions. What would your thoughts be about that then? And do you think you be a right fit for United no is the short answer Um, (laughs) he's an incredibly defensive manager Um, United have got a a top heavy uh, squad loaded with attacking talents um, and a fan base that demands attacking football so I don't see it working at all I think um, you know the the Van Gaal and Mourinho eras had had major flaws um, because of the sort of preferred styles of those managers and and how it didn't dovetail particularly well with with United and you know Gary Neville made a lot of points on uh, on Super Sunday uh, yesterday one of them which was uh, which was bang right was that Conte wouldn't wouldn't be a good fit I think he was he was making it while trying to um, argue that Solskjaer shouldn't be sacked which I understand um, Neville saying that I, I think it, it's taken other pundits rather than him to to point out that that what really needs to happen and if he doesn't want to say it then then fair enough but I think um the Conte talk even the, the Dan talk as, as Samuel said earlier um 
neither of them fit for me. And I think that is maybe part of United's issue that if they did want to replace Solskjaer, there's no way from looking at from the outside anyway, there's no way they've got a plan, um, succession plan for him. Samuel, I'll let you have the final word. Um, obviously, Tottenham on Saturday evening. Um, you've kind of alluded to it earlier in the podcast. Could you see Solskjaer surviving this week then? And do you think he'll be in charge um, come Saturday afternoon? Yes, yeah, I could. Uh, the, my gut instinct at the moment would be that he'll he'll be in charge. But as I said, things can change very, very quickly. Uh, I I just, out of principle, do not do stories like no plans to sack a manager after United shafted me a few years ago over Mourinho when on the evening of that Liverpool defeat, um, I was told by a source that Mourinho was getting sacked. I asked United about it on the Sunday night. They said, not happening. I asked them the Monday morning. They said, it's not happening. So I wrote, it's not happening. Of course, on the Tuesday morning, it happened. Uh, it was just because the players and the staff had a day off on the Monday that the sacking was delayed until the Tuesday morning. So sometimes, even though it's an essential question to ask of uh, people who work at United and you, you've got to... Um, You've just got to be diligent, really, as journalists with that. I, I'm always very hesitant now and, and you know, pr- pretty much refuse to do stories um, on that because you know they're, they're not necessarily going to tell you if the manager is going to get sacked. So it's, it's better to keep your powder dry. But just, just the way, just the radio silence this morning, as I said, you can interpret it either way. By the time people listen to this, something might have happened. I mean, we, we obviously have to prepare for what I think is safe to say the inevitable. But Tottenham is a game that is eminently winnable because Tottenham are in a bit of a mess themselves. I think it's it reflects absolutely horrendously on United that Tottenham are even above them in the table with a coach that they were very, very reluctant to appoint in the summer initially. Um, but where it's City the week after, I think if, if United don't have a change of coach or change of manager in time for that game, you could see another 5-0 happening. And that that that's the thing that's got to fill, that, that is going to fill United fans with dread. Um, and it's something that the hierarchy needs to take on board as well. The prospect of a second humiliation within um, within a fortnight, uh, that, that, that just can't be, can't be countenanced. And okay, given the, the nature of the Liverpool result, you'd think, okay, you can't, Lightning can't strike twice, but... Solskjaer said himself, they've hit a brick wall and it, it really wouldn't be, be a surprise as long as he's in post for that game if, if City did run right against United like Liverpool did. Hopefully we've done enough there um, to digest that 5-0 defeat and I'd just like to say thank you to Samuel for your time as usual. Not at all, Simon, thank you. And thank you very much, Dom. Thank you. I would say it's a pleasure, but you know, it's been all right. <laughs> it's always a pleasure when you're talking to me. Um, it, hopefully it, we'll come it, back. It is indeed. Exactly. Hopefully we'll come back in better circumstances. Um, for now, thanks for listening and take care.